0: Welcome back to What You'll Learn. My name is Adam Ashton. And my name is Adam Jones. Today we are reviewing The War of Art Breakthrough the Blocks and Win Your Inner Creative Battles by Stephen Pressfield. It's a small book, but it's
1: an absolute powerhouse. It's probably only a one or two day read, but it'll really send a little firecracker up your butt and get you going. <laughs> Would you agree with that? Oh, man, it's
0: an <laughs> absolute cracker firing up my butt for a few days. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, definitely. He talks about there's like, we've got two different lives, right? So, the life we live right now and then also the unlived within us. So, the book's all about, you know, what's the difference between the two and kind of reaching your full potential and going to war to actually create the art, which is like really a big part of your soul, so to speak.
1: Definitely. as you That unlived life, that idea that we all have these things that we want to do, but never actually do like, you know, starting a diet or starting yoga or starting a new meditation practice on one end or starting a new business or writing a book, all these things that we want to do and wish we could do, but for whatever
0: reason, uh, and obviously explains what that reason is, we never actually do it. So there's a big difference. So you just mentioned, say, someone who wants to be a writer. There's a secret, he says, that real writers know that wannabe writers don't. And that the secret is this. It's not the writing part that's hard. What's hard is sitting down to write. What keeps us from sitting down is this thing called the resistance.
1: That's it. So he's saying that once you actually sit your butt down in the chair, open the computer up and start typing, it's actually not that hard. Yeah. The hardest part is deciding in the first place to sit down and not to, oh, the, the dishes are dirty. I better go clean them or oh, I better go walk the dog or everything that pops up and stops you from doing it, every excuse you can think of, that's the tough part.
0: Mate, the resistance, it's it's in all of us with the things that we're meant to be doing Um. Say if you buy a new treadmill or something and it just sits there and you don't want to jump it or you get your new membership, the thing that's stopping you from actually going to the gym or if you want to start a new business, there's always this kind of unconscious resistance for you actually getting down to business and doing the actual thing that you're meant to be doing.
1: Exactly. So this book's in two parts. Part one is defining the resistance and then part two is overcoming the resistance. And so this all about the resistance is going to be the first half of this episode. And he says that the resistance is the most toxic force On the planet it's the root of more unhappiness than poverty disease and erectile dysfunction to yield to the resistant deforms our spirit it stunts us and makes us less than what we were born to be
0: mate it's so hard he says hitler back in the day he actually wanted to be an artist so at 18 years old he took his inheritance and all his money and he moved to vienna to live and study and applied to the academy of fine arts and architecture but have you seen his paintings? <laughs>
1: I don't. I can't recall any specific Hitler paintings. Nah, no, nah, neither
0: have I. So he says the resistance beat him, and it was yeah. easier for Hitler to start World War II than it was to face a blank square canvas. Oh god! So the mate. resistance is fucking difficult. Mate, that's a bad, that's um yeah that's a that was a really bad case of resistance as well. Yeah, that's a <laughs> that's a shocking case of resistance.
1: I like this quote. He says resistance is faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, and harder to kick than crack cocaine. And here's the biggest bitch. We don't even know what hit us. So mm. this resistance—it's uh, an invisible force. We don't even know what it is or what happens. It just—we realise uh, at the end of our life that we got fucked up by
0: resistance. Absolutely. So he kicks off the the book one with a really cool quote by the Dalai Lama, which is related to the resistance, and that is: "The enemy is a very good teacher." Mm. So what the Dalai Lama. Lama is saying here related to resistance is resistance is showing you the path that should be taking so even though it's your complete enemy between you and what you want to be the resistance mm. is the thing that's showing you what you should be doing in the first place oh that's legendary man mm. so some
1: of the we sort of touched on it a little bit he lists all the resistance's greatest hits so he says it's any pursuit in writing, painting, music, film, dance or creativity, launching of an entrepreneurial venture, a diet program or health regime. He says any activity whose aim is tighter abdominals, education of any kind, overcoming addiction, all these things is where resistance pops up. His lens is through creativity. He's a, a, an author and a screenwriter. So his, a bit of the book is through that lens, but it, he says it applies to all of this stuff. Hmm.
0: So in this chapter where what we're going to try and do is define the enemy. So the resistance, as I said, this thing is the difference between you and what you could be reaching your mm. full potential. So he's got a whole different bunch of points about defining what actual resistance is. And he starts off by saying resistance is invisible. So resistance cannot be seen, touched, heard or smelt, but it can be felt. We experience
1: this this energy field radiating from what he calls a work in potential. So this idea over there that oh we're going to write a book one day, is just radiating this energy of
0: resistance that stops us. And resistance is internal. It seems to come from outside ourselves. We look, locate it in our spouses, in our jobs, our bosses, and kids. Resistance is not a peripheral opponent. It arises actually from within. So it's self generated from within and self perpetuated. And resistance is the enemy within.
1: Another thing is, resistance is impersonal. So it's not out to attack you. Or me, it's out there just, it's a force of nature. It acts objectively and just attacks everyone.
0: Mate, it's like gravity. So, Mm. you know, it's just another force of nature out there that every single human being you come across with has to deal with resistance and we all deal with it in in very different ways or not deal with it at all.
1: I'll try and uh, riff off that uh, gravity thing, mate. Is gravity more powerful the higher you go up, like the more potential? I don't know. Is that true or not? It is. is it, yeah, the further well,
0: away you move from the <laughs> center of the mass.
1: Oh, nice. So he says here that the rule of thumb is that uh, the more important a call or action to our soul's evolution, the more resistance we face. Mm. So I don't know if that uh, that was just on the fly there, mate. Oh, it was
0: yeah. fantastic. <laughs> so he says it's like a magnetized needle floating on the surface of oil. So when we try and set up a magnet, for example, that's how we set it up. And the magnet will start pointing to the true north. So another Uh, law of nature i guess so meaning that the the magnet electromagnetism is pointing at north in a similar fashion resistance like a magnet's pointing north this is resisting uh sorry pointing you to what your calling is so whatever you feel the resistance the most it's most likely that this is going to be your calling nice that was another good analogy there
1: another thing he says resistance is universal you know, we're wrong to think that we're the only ones struggling from this resistance because everyone who has a body experience resistance.
0: And resistance, it plays for keeps. So the goal of resistance is not to just wound or disable. It aims to just go for the kill and just fucking knock you for six and just <laughs> completely make you a hopeless uh, lunatic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: he says, resistance means business. When we fight it, we're in a war to the death. So either you win or the resistance wins. And along that line, he says the resistance is most powerful at the finish line because when we get 95, 98, 99% of the way there. That's when resistance realized, holy shit, this guy's about to beat me. I'm going to step it up a gear here and I'm going to throw everything I've got at it. So he says, just when you're at the end, that's when you start to hit the panic button because resistance is about to whack you for six to stop you at the very last step from actually putting it out into the world. So that's when you've got to be most alert for this counterattack.
0: I experienced that quite recently. Yeah? Yeah. I tried to stop my coffee again for a month. Yeah. And as you know, I started rationalizing. (laughs) Yeah. I tried to quit for a month and four weeks in, I'm like, oh, four weeks is a month, isn't it? So on 28 days, I started drinking coffee again because resistance kicked my ass at the end.
1: Mate, July is uh, 31 days, mate. So I reckon you pulled up a couple of days short there thanks to that that resistance. Resistance got got me there.
0: (laughs) So another thing resistance does, maybe in this situation as well, it it recruits allies. (laughs) So resistance by definition is self-sabotage, but there's a parallel peril that must be guarded against and that's sabotage by others. If you start to
1: beat resistance and you actually start writing, so you've had this dream for years, I want to write a book. And if you finally conquer resistance a little bit and start writing, other people are going to question you. They're going to start acting strange towards you. They're going to say, oh, you've changed. Oh, you used to come out and party on Friday night. You're a different person now. You're not who you used to be now that you started becoming a writer. Mm. And so that's how resistance is recruiting all these other people as allies to take you
0: down. Man, all the people you hang out with, and even your family and your friends, it's kind of like we have this unconscious pledge to remain in the same sloth in mm. which you know we're us and the people around us are so comfortable in. But he says the highest treason a crab can commit, for example, is leaping from the rim of the bucket. So it's kind of one of the things that you can yeah. do is leap from the rim of the bucket away from all the other crabs, yeah, and just go for it. You might be on your own for a little bit, but after a while, there'll be some other crabs. Uh, that you'll meet down the alleyways.
1: That's it. You'd, you'd rather be the uh, the crab that's roaming free on the sand than one of the hundred crabs stuck in the bucket about to get eaten. Mm,
0: get, a, get out of the rim, eh?
1: <laughs> Mate, the next one is procrastination, and procrastination is the most common manifestation of resistance. And it's sort of the easiest to rationalise. You know, we say, "Oh, I'm never going to write my symphony," or, uh, "You know what? I'm going to start tomorrow." Mm. And that's the most easy thing to rationalise. You know, I. Oh, I just don't have time today oh, I've got to go finish this last task and then I'll get started tomorrow. Yeah. That's resistance 101.
0: <laughs> Man, unfortunately, tomorrow is not a real thing. No. As in, you'll never be actually living in tomorrow. You'll always only live in now. So unless you say, fuck it, I'm doing it right now, it's always going to be tomorrow. So uh, and he says procrastination on that point. It can become a habit. So mm. once you start falling down the the way of procrastinating and leaving things till tomorrow. It becomes a habit with all the other things you do as well.
1: And he says that we don't just put our lives off today. We don't just put them off till tomorrow. We end up putting them off until our deathbed, which is is a powerful analogy, obviously. And he says that never forget this very moment we can change our lives. There was never a moment and never will be when we are without the power to alter our destiny. So just realize that you can start today and by starting now and starting to beat the resistance, you can seriously change your destiny.
0: Another one, resistance and self-doubt. So self-doubt can be an ally. This is because it serves as an indicator of aspiration. So again, like the Dalai Lama said, the enemy is a good teacher. So self-doubt being a bit of an enemy, it does show you where you're most aspirational. So when you're feeling really doubtful of yourself, it means you're going in the right direction. So Stephen Pressfield has a really good quote here. The counterfeit innovator is wildly self-confident and the real one is scared to death.
1: That's it. That counterfeit one, the one that likes to talk about it and tell everyone about it is probably doing more talking and telling than actually doing. Whereas the real innovator is the one who's actually, I guess, in the arena to bring another sort of quote into here and the one who's doing shit and realizes that resistance... Mm. He's tackling it head on and that's why he's scared to death.
0: Man, if something's important to you, of course, you're going to be very afraid and very scared and start doubting yourself. So, Hmm. the more you are afraid and the more scared you are, that's something you should be doing.
1: So, similar to that self-doubt is fear. And he says fear is good because it acts as an an indicator. The more scared we are, probably the closer we are to our meaning or our calling
0: or our, uh, our actions that we need to be taking. The professional tackles the project that will make him stretch. So you're going to all these things that you actually are scared of because you know when you go into these uncharted waters, you're compelled to explore the unconscious parts of yourself and then this internal cause you to grow. Sick. Uh, resistance and support. So he
1: says that seeking support from friends and family is like having people gather around you at your deathbed. Mm. So he says it's, it's nice but when the ship sails, all they can do is stand at the edge of the dock and wave goodbye. <laughs> so, yeah,
0: unfortunately. So, the more energy... Your yeah, you're on your own. So, the more support you get, um, the weaker you become at handling the business.
1: Yeah. So, just get out there and, and fight for it.
0: And uh, yeah, a bit on topic from earlier about me and my coffee, resistance and rationalization. <laughs> so, resistance is fear, but it's too cunning to show itself in the naked form. So, if mm. resistance clearly let us let us see that it's just fear that's stopping us, and we might feel the shame to actually move, on, move along anyway. Mm. So resistance shows up in the form of rationalization. So in the coffee, I might have been scared of something else, but I started actually rationalizing in my brain, like, oh, you know, four, four weeks, four that's weeks that's is a month, a month yeah. that's a month. And <laughs> so you start rationalizing reasons why you should be not doing the thing that you actually set out to do.
1: Yeah, that's sick, man. And so after all of this, so we've defined this resistance, the most important thing to realize, he says here, resistance can be beaten. And he says that if it couldn't be beaten, there'd be no Fifth Symphony, there'd be no Romeo and Juliet, there'd be no Golden Gate Bridge. So obviously, some people in history have defeated resistance. So that means it's obviously possible for us too.
0: Yeah, there's no shortage of good shit in the world because people have been able to achieve some really good shit in the world. That means people have... That's just proof in itself that people have beaten resistance and there's no reason that you can't as well. He says
1: defeating resistance is exactly like giving birth. It seems absolutely impossible... Until you remember that women have been pulling it off successfully with support and without for 50 million years. So that's it. Same with resistance. People have been conquering resistance for 50 million years and so we can too. Mm.
0: Which is good news, man. Oh, After definitely. all that negative stuff out of resistance. <laughs> resistance is a
1: <laughs> it's a tough one, man. <laughs> Everyone yeah. experiences it in, in every field and it's something we've got to overcome.
0: Mm. In every in. In any new endeavor, you're going to experience some kind of resistance. It's something that's just inevitable. So it's something you get to deal with more and more. And it's, if you keep, as you're saying, if you keep pointing in that direction, moving along anyway, it's probably going to be the area where you're going to grow the most to be able to do some cooler shit in the world.
1: So yeah, resistance is probably uh, a good thing. A bit of a blessing in disguise. It's always going to be there to stop us, but it shows
0: us that we're doing the right thing. We're on the right track. So right now, man, book two is Combating Resistance. And it's all about turning pro. So he says that it's one thing to study war
1: and it's another to live the warrior's life. So that was a quote from uh, Telamon of Arcadia. Uh, which uh, was from the 5th century BC, but it's very different. Obviously, we can talk about this resistance, but it's completely different to live the warrior's life of actually beating it.
0: Mm. Another one of those quotes or people who wrote a quote, you could just make up any kind of name yeah. and no, no <laughs> one in history will know who no, the hell... No one's fact-checking that no one. No one's fact-checking thing, mate. Talamon of Arcadia, mercenary the 5th century BC. <laughs> <laughs> he never existed that no. much. <laughs> so now again, Locke Early kind of defines a whole different a um, bunch of points all about turning pro, so the ways you can actually defeat resistance.
1: Yeah, so he says that to, in order to defeat resistance, you have to turn pro. So stop becoming an amateur uh, an amateur, and start being a real professional.
0: So here's the difference between amateurs and professionals. So professionals are the people we want to be to smash resistance up the arse. He says, <laughs> aspiring artists <laughs> defeated by resistance share one straight. They all think like amateurs. They have mm. not yet turned pro. So the moment an artist actually turns pro, pro. Is an epochal as the birth of his first child. With one stroke, everything changes. And everything can be in, in your life can be divided into two parts before turning pro and after turning pro. And resistance absolutely hates it when you turn pro. That's it. If you think of uh,
1: what a professional is, he, he tells a story of uh, this author, uh, Somerset Morham. I never, never heard of uh, him or her. Him uh, actually by the, by the sound of this quote, but he was uh, giving a talk about writing books, and someone from the crowd, you know, in the Q and A section said, "When do you write? Do you write uh, every day? Uh, do you write on a schedule, or do you write just when the inspiration strikes?" And so that is probably the thinking of uh, an amateur who's been conquered by resistance, who thinks, oh, I can't write right now. I haven't been struck by inspiration." And so Somerset Morham says, "I write only when inspiration strikes." Fortunately, it strikes every morning at 9 o'clock sharp. So that's it. If you know that every morning you're going to sit down at 9 o'clock and start typing yeah. for hours, uh, inspiration probably strikes more than than uh, if you're just waiting around thinking when's inspiration going to hit me, when can I start writing.
0: Oh, 100%. He says like that, the hill is the son of a bitch. So say the writer, he's got this huge project or this huge goal of finishing this massive book he says the hill, something like that, or whatever big project like that, it's a son of a bitch, but what can you do? All you can do is set one foot in front of the other and just keep on climbing. So it's like that waking up at nine, just keep plugging away at it and just keep climbing that hill. Don't look too far up at once.
1: I like the pacing and leading he does here of people that might be thinking, oh, how can I be a, turn to be a professional rider when I've got to you know, work my normal job? But he says that we can conquer resistance by turning pro because we're all pros already and that's in our normal job. So he talks about the 10 things that are needed to turn pro. And so that's you got to show up every day. You've got to show up no matter what. you got to stay on the job all day. You've got to be committed to the long haul. The stakes are high. We accept remuneration for labor. And we don't over-identify ourselves with our jobs. And we try to master the techniques. So if you think of that, that's what you do every day. You show up every day. You work all day. <laughs> And you get shit
0: done. So, yeah. that's being a pro in your everyday work life. So, you can do it. Mm. So, if you're someone who wants to do more than say the nine to five, you're going to take these kind of nine to five job principles and apply it to what you're calling or the art that you want to create in the world to be. So, it's kind of just showing up like you are doing Monday at 9 a.m. Mm. and not doing C's, yeah. but doing that for your side hustle or whatever you're doing on the side as well. Obviously, at the start, it's not going to be you know, every day, nine hours a day, the same as full-time
1: work. But it might be that you have a rule every night from seven till eight, I'm going to sit down and actually do this. Yeah. So he says if you think of the amateur in comparison, they don't show up every day, they don't show up no matter what. They find excuses and they don't stay on the job all day. And he says here, you don't hear him bitching about, oh, this fucking trilogy is killing me to write. Instead, he doesn't even write a trilogy at all.
0: Man, Stephen Pressfield, he's got a pretty incredible story as well. So it took him a long while to get his writing career off the ground. But after 17 years of trying, he finally got a job on his first movie, which he wrote, which was King Kong Lives. So he loved it. He thought he had an absolute hit and he invited all his friends and family to turn up to this big premiere. He rented out the place next door for this huge triumph after party. (laughs) And, you know, he was there with bells on wearing his best clothes. But nobody showed on the opening night. So and the press the next day they said Stephen Pressfield we hope this is not his real name for his parents' oh. sake. <laughs> so oh, that's painful. <laughs> oh, at this stage, right? He's forty-two years old. He's divorced. He's childless. He's broke, and he's given up on all these other normal pursuits except for coming for becoming a writer. And at the bottom, his friend asked if he was going to quit. And Pressfield he said, "Hell no." And that that's the thing, man. He says that his friend
1: told him, "Look." You're depressed, you've just failed, all this shit's gone wrong, you're 42, you're divorced, you've got no kids, you're broke. But this is exactly where you want to be. If you wouldn't quit, if you're riding every single day, that's exactly what you want to do. So he says, you know, look, you're taking a few blows, mate, but that's the price you've got to pay for being in the arena and not on the sidelines.
0: That's right. You know, being in the arena and actually being in the stadium, doing something and having a crack at something is a lot better than just being on the sidelines where it's just safe and comfortable. Exactly.
1: So a few things about professionals as we move on. So a professional accepts no excuses. So the amateur, you know, the amateur underestimates the resistance. He lets the flu stop him from going right for a day and he lets that serpent's voice in the back of his head stop him from doing what he has to do that day. Whereas a professional, he's learned better. The professional respects resistance. And he says that, you know what, Whatever happens, I'm just going to kick this resistance's ass today and I'm
0: going to do it anyway. The professional knows resistance. It's like a tally marketer, right? So yeah. the tally marketer calls and you, if you don't hang up straight away, yeah, he's going to draw you in and you're done for five minutes. And you're buying a-
1: the professional realizes that uh, if you cave in today, it doesn't matter what the excuse is, even if it's fully logical and plausible, you're going to be twice as likely to, to cave tomorrow and you're going to become resistance's little bitch.
0: Yep. So, back on that telemarketer example. So, when he calls, you know, the pro, on the other hand, he doesn't even pick up the phone. He just stays at work That's or it. just keeps it on, you know, airplane mode so the phone doesn't even call.
1: Don't be buying that eight, eight knife set with the, uh, the extra bonus sharpener. No,
0: nah, you don't want the eight knife set with the <laughs> bonus, sh- bonus sharpener. A, pres- a professional endures... I think endu-
1: something better to think of there, mate, but I was pretty weak.
0: <laughs> I do with some knives myself, yeah. actually. So, a, prof- a
1: professional endures adversity. So, he says that, you know, he lets the bird shit splat down on the window, remembering that it comes off, if it comes off with a bit of heavy-duty hosing. Yep. So, you've got to realize that, yeah, there's going to be some shit going down in the world. You've got to ignore that for the
0: time being and just put up with the adversity and keep pushing through to do your shit. Deal with that later. He reminds himself it's better to be in the arena getting stomped by the bull than to be up in stands or being in the car parking lot.
1: Yeah, definitely, man. A professional dedicates himself to mastering technique. So, the professional is sly. He knows that, you know, quietly toil away each and every day. And he says that by toiling beside the front door of technique, he leaves room for genius to enter around the back. I reckon that's, that's a sick quote, man.
0: That's a really good quote. So, every
1: it? day, just work uh, next to the front door of technique, keep working at it, keep working at it. And a uh, little genius might just sneak
0: in the back door there. Back door and then, yep, yeah. slam dunk. <laughs> <laughs> a professional does not take failure or success personally. So, the fear of rejection isn't just psychological, it's biological. So, this fear is in our ourselves and resistance knows this and uses this against us. It uses fear of rejection to paralyze us and prevent us, if not only from doing our work, then from exposing us, exposing it to public evaluation.
1: And that's the, you know, don't take failure personally and don't take success personally either because if you get too attached to success, the next time you're going to be uh, too attached to success and you're going to, uh, you're going to be worried about that failure. So he says you can't take it personally. You just got to realize success is, is beating the resistance for today, but you're going to have to do it all again tomorrow.
0: Another one I really like is a professional recognizes her limitations. So she gets an agent, she gets a lawyer, she gets an accountant when she knows... She sucks at anything to do with legal or finances or anything like that. And she knows she can only be a professional at just only one thing, like whatever her craft or calling is. So she brings in all the other pros and all the other talents to cover all the other bases so she can focus on what she's meant to be doing. The next section, he says that,
1: you know, resistance is actually a bully and it likes to pick on the weak. You know, just like the bully, if a professional stands up to it and knocks him down once... He's going to be a bit more worried to pick on him next time. He's going to go to the other, the little, uh, the little uh, suckers over there who are going to cop the resistance and not stand up to it. So, resistance is a bully. You've got to keep knocking it down. If you knock it down enough, it's going to go find another victim. Yes. It's going to go find the runtiest twerp on the playground.
0: Oh, yeah. He's going to find that little resistant, (laughs) prone, little toxic little, little, (laughs) little bitch. Uh, And then finally, there's no mystery. So, There's absolutely no mystery in turning pro. It's a decision bought by an act of will. So one day you just wake up Mm. and say, fuck it, you know, I'm no longer an amateur. I'm going to be a pro. I'm going to show up for the thing I'm meant to be doing every day. And I'm, I'm pro now.
1: Yeah, he says it's that simple, man. In order to beat resistance, now that we've, you know, we've defined resistance... We've realized that to beat resistance, we've got to turn pro. So he says it's a one-step thing. Just decide, (laughs) Mm. become a pro, and then that's that simple and just keep beating resistance every day.
0: Yeah, and another really positive thing he touches on toward the end of the book. Mm. So you might be one of the people who've been out there and you've been slogging away a project for a long time. You're not really seeing some of the results that you'd like, but he says... When you keep going for a, a, a long time, you grind and you grind and you grind. Something really mysterious starts to happen. So a process is set into motion mm. by which inevitably and infallibly heaven comes to your aid. So unseen forces enlist in your cause, and a bit of luck starts to kick in. So. If you're one of those people, just keep slogging away and slogging mm. away and then what Pressfield's saying is some mysterious forces will come in and just give you a helping hand and you'll start getting some results.
1: Yeah, he talks about things like the higher realm and the muse and uh, and a few other, you know, as you say, these mysterious forces that once we start beating resistance and we start actually doing what we're meant to be doing, these things just come along and just give us a little nudge in the right direction, just give us a little helping hand but only after we beat resistance. It doesn't just... We don't wait... To do it in the other way around. We don't wait for the muse to come along before we beat resistance. you got to beat it first. Yes. You've got to turn pro first.
0: Man, this is a really magnificent book, I think, for anyone who wants to really uh, do things. And and you know, there's we've all got these unconscious things stopping us from going to that next level and you know trying to tackle some big things. So I love the way he approaches it. So being able to define what this kind of unfor- unconscious thing is kind of stopping you is the first step and then also gives you some approaches and, you know, just tells you to just keep, keep on fucking slogging no matter what.
1: I really like it, man. I 100% agree. It's definitely something that's going to give you a good kick up the ass and it's not just like all motivation. It's just showing you that, look, this is what's stopping you. This is how you beat it. Go out there and do it and then things will start going your way. Mm. Man, I wonder if uh, there's probably a bit of uh, survivorship bias in there and that he was this dude that he was an absolute battler for 20 years. He was broke. Everything was failing and then it finally worked. I'd like to hope that everyone would be the same, <laughs> but well, what a, I'm sure there's some people that keep slogging away and, oh. and it doesn't work out. I don't know. There must be.
0: Mate, I like that term. i have never heard of that. Survivorship bias. Yeah, well, it it's makes like, sense, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it's like you know the guys who become billionaires say, "Follow, it, copy me. I did it like this," mm-hmm. um, and they're obviously the ones that where it worked for. But it's not necessarily true for everyone. Yes. But I think Pressfield obviously he was uh, he literally followed this to the letter of the law. I think some people would probably get five years in and give up and that's what he would say their issue was. Mm. Whereas obviously getting to the end and beating resistance eventually, it starts to work out for you.
0: Man, I think the concoction of uh, hardcore slogging but with kind of uh, fluid and flexibility to actually change your approach in certain mm. circumstances probably would be a very give you a very good outcome or high probability of a good outcome of what of something you're after if you are flexible and at the same time you're giving it a crack constantly.
1: I strongly agree man. I love the book. I thought it was great. Uh read it a couple of times and uh, it's probably a good pick me up when you start uh, getting beaten by resistance. I'm going to give it a good old 9 out of 10, mate. I'm going to give it an 8. We both yeah. love it. It's a good good book. It's pretty short as short and sweet, so get on it.
0: Man, we've had a book club now for about two and a half years, but it's only been just us two. So we actually started the podcast to retain more knowledge and be accountable to reading more books. But now we're extending this book club to all of the listeners.
1: So if you're someone who believes just like us that reading books will help you reach your full potential, and if you want to commit to reading more and
0: being held accountable for reading more, then we're starting up this club for people just like us. So each month we're going to send you one book each month. Then we're gonna also have a conversation at the end of the month about the book. And it's gonna be the best of the best. So we only review the best books and then we're only gonna give out the best books. So we're not gonna waste your time or your money. That's
1: it. We're gonna pick what we think is the cream of the cream, the best book from that month, from the four or five books we do that month. And really on the surface, what we're doing is, you know, sending you a book to your door each month. You've got a month to read it. Then at the end of the month, we're going to have this virtual conversation where everyone can chime in, not just us two dodos telling our ideas. Everyone's going to share their ideas. But really, if you go deeper than that, it's about reading more. It's about that commitment and you know, accountability to read a book every single month. And what you're going to do is you're going to be learning more and you're going to be constantly improving every single month.
0: So it's that next step. So if you're listening to the podcast or if you're passively reading books, it's all about passive consumption and some of the content. But this next step, it's all about being more active with it. So each month when you talk about the book, it's it's that one extra step of retention.
1: Exactly. So it's $25 a month and we're going to deliver that book to your door every single month. And in
0: your first month, you get a little, a little bonus book as well. To sign up and join the club, go to patreon.com slash what you will learn.